1: welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast, episode 11 with the the great Sakisa, someone who we've become very close to uh, since lockdown. This is a classic textbook case of Tim and I meeting someone on the old Lockie D, them doing the online gigs and then the online gigs uh, becoming, as the kids would say, IRL gigs in real life to anyone like me who's over 40 uh, and has become, dare I say, has become a friend. What a cheese ball I am. Sakisa, now this isn't for me to say, even though I'm about to say it, but Sakisa insists that her gigs with, this is very self-aggrandizing. Once again, (laughs) this is causing anguish. Sakisa insists that her affiliation with Always Be Comedy proved the launch pad, jumping off point, call it whatever you want, for her getting uh other work let, let's let's downplay it <laughs> <laughs> oh, we f- we finally first met on uh, Jonathan Ross had a, a had a tv lockdown comedy show jonathan ross's comedy club wish i'd googled it i was the warm up sakisa was on it sakisa absolutely roofed it. it was brilliant we have a lot of love for sakisa she was terrific on live at the apollo and uh i i, I got quite paternal, quite frankly, uh, watching Sakisa run through her Apollo set at Always Be Comedy, because then you sort of, this is um, put, getting too emotional, but that is where Tim and I are thinking that's that's Always Be Comedy uh, performing one of its many functions where you've... It, it, Again, shouldn't be for us to say it, but if you if you feel you might have helped someone along the way, and then you get to see them perform on the biggest stand up show, uh, certainly in the country, you know one of the biggest TV stand up shows in the world. Um, I can't verify that. Um, so to see Sakisa go from strength to strength has meant a great deal. So to have her on the pod and to get to know her a little bit better uh, again meant meant the world. It's funny, Sakisa is with us very shortly at Always Be Comedy at the Tommy Field. And while, so wait, Tim, I've got the gig. This is where I turn into uh, dad trying to operate a VHS. Right, Wednesday the 31st of May, new material night. Check this. Sakisa, Joel Domert, John Robbins. Now that is a gig. So the Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a comedian and we, and we ask them to curate, to put together what would be their dream, their fantasy comedy gig in time, we would like to branch out outside of comedians as they're curating their gig. So who would open it? Who would close it? Who would middle on and on and on pre-gig rituals? Oh, we've just done a new episode that's gonna come out soon where somebody shared what incident happened to you at a gig that must never happen again. And Tim, I'm wearing it like a anchor around my neck. I'm scarred by it. <laughs> oh my God. Cause <laughs> the question is in there. Questions in there is a bit, a bit of fun. Um, and it's, i tell you what, yeah, we won't spoil it, but the fact that I'm talking about an episode that's not out yet suggests how much Tim and I are thinking about it. But he gave this answer from the heart and it means me and Tim were like, we are both like, oh, you poor man. <laughs> um, anyway, you, you'll see. We're very grateful for all your, all your emails and all your correspondence. Please keep it coming in. Um, James Brown writes in, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I want to go there. No, 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 no. There, I went there. Um Just wanted. We know who James Brown is, and uh, we'd like to actually apologise, James, because that, that was it. We, we've known you for a, quite a long time now, and, and you were better than. No, 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 no. 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 Just wanted to say. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Just wanted to say. Just wanted to say how much I enjoyed this week's podcast. And ah, now this is from uh, the, the Rachel Marcus episode with Tr- Tuesday Night Club Legends, Rachel Marcus. Perhaps it's because we've had COVID in the house the last few days. I'm oversharing. I shouldn't have said James's full name, but we're sort of of in it now. But it took me right back to those lockdown Tuesday nights. James said it might be better coming from someone else other than him. Ah, so I use this phrase a lot as if I'm like distancing myself. Tim is nodding as if to say, I see you, Uh, as if it distances me from the praise. It obviously doesn't. I've been busted by James and Tim. Uh, James said it might be better coming from someone else other than him. Yeah, I think if you keep saying that, you are still essentially patting (laughs) yourself on the back. Uh, Yeah, okay. You know what? It's a fair cop. It's a fair cop. So I'll happily say it. Those live shows... Sorry, my voice. What time for my voice to break? The age of forty-four going through puberty. Those live shows, particularly the ones with Rachel and Marcus, and with Al Murray, were such a key part of getting through lockdown. Do you know what, James? I think there's like we'd be up for Tim. I'm speaking on your behalf. I wonder if there's like a, an audible doc. Maybe like an audible documentary series, or maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the, the Patreon or the Patreon or whichever you know. I think there's there's almost like a documentary series in reflecting and talking about the online shows. It sounds a bit therapy, but I think there might be mileage in that. Cause I think we sort of, we we did, I think around 300 yeah. online shows across lockdown and, and beyond. And then we just sort of like all carried on with our lives. And maybe we, hey, maybe we need to sit down and address it like some sort of, uh, not a focus group, but it's almost like a self-help group, but anyway, sorry. We're such a key part of getting through lockdown. Yeah, sorry, that, that was my tangent. That wasn't James. <laughs> that wasn't James Brown going off. on uh, Getting through lockdown. Providing a sense of routine, community, and, crucially, fun. I'll always be grateful to them. And to the two... Oh, my God, mate. I did not sleep well last night, and I've had, I've had a cup of coffee too many. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I cried just then. And to <laughs> the two of you, for all those lockdown shows. And as a bonus, it's introduced me to the best comedy night in town at the Tommy Field. Oh, my God, James. I did not read that fully before reading out loud. And you know what? It was all the better for it, because the old voice cracked.
0: Wayno. Wayno.
1: Wayno. Oh, this is nice. This is about the Al Murray episode. Uh, (laughs) A wonderful episode from James, Tim, and Al. Let's just go with from Al, because I I feel like I've massaged the Lewis Gill axes enough here. A wonderful episode from Al Murray. Here we go. I actually missed my train stop last night. I was so engrossed. Keep up the good work, chaps. Uh, clap emoji. Clap. Or maybe that's wave emoji. Anyway, I think it's wave emoji. Wave emoji. Uh, Wayno, we would like to apologize that you missed your... I've done that before. I've missed a train stop because I've been listening to a, a ruddy podcast. Uh, yeah, I share your pain. I don't know you, mate. It's quite a... Sh- if I missed a train stop, it's quite a slap home. So apologies and also thanks. Uh, here we go. This is from someone called Adam, who runs a, a comedy night. So this this this, this means a lot that Adam would write in while running a different comedy night. Just wanted to say how much I'm loving the pod. I've already turned this right. This is full radio too. I I, I acknowledge that. But the, the the intros are getting longer and longer, and secretly, bloody love it. Uh, just <laughs> wanted <laughs> just wanted to say how much I'm loving the pod. It's immediately become one of my regular listens. I look forward to the episode every Tuesday. Adam, mate, you're a legend. I wanted to chuck in my two pennies and chip in with my own dream bill as a promoter. I feel I was lucky enough to be able to pretty much pick my dream comedy, but when I put together what was meant to be our final show at our current venue, we had Jarlath Regan emceeing. Lovely Jarlath. Got a great Jarlath memory, but we'll do that another time. Paul foots opening. Zoinks. Incredible. Joe Wilkinson in the middle and the mighty A-Caster. Jocasta, call back to a previous episode, the mighty Jocasta closing to some mild embarrassment. The venue was, oh yes, I did hear about this, but this is a nice thing. To some mild embarrassment, the venue <laughs> was sold to new owners a couple of days before the show. So we ended up not being the last show at all. Just wanted to say, keep doing what you're doing and show my love. Well, you know what, mate, for that, we can, I think the least we can do, Give a plug to your sh- your venue. So if you live, if that sounded like I nearly knocked over a glass. You would be correct. Tim, it's Happy Shark Comedy, isn't it? We're, we're we're doing this live. It's Happy Shark Comedy. Shark Comedy. So if you live in or near the Luton area, Google Happy Shark Comedy, and you will find everything that you need to find. And Adam is he's one of the good guys. Right back to Sakisa. We love Sakisa. A great deal. What I would say, she's got megawatt charisma. She's got star quality. She, you, you don't get to do live at the Apollo for no reason. And I would say, when Sakisa walks in a room, you—oh my god—I'm making myself, myself cry again. You feel that much more special. She's got. She's got it. She's. She, if, I would go so far to say that if, if my two girls grow up and are, as half. Oh my god! What, James? What are you doing to yourself? <laughs> half as lovely and likable. Uh, and is just just an all round mensch uh, like Sakisa. I've done I've done one heck of a <laughs> one heck of a job. Really, I wish I wish I'd slept more last night. But we I've got to say we we love we love Sakisa so much. She's doing Monkey Barrel Comedy Venue Five One Five Monkey Barrel Four. Sorry, I read that like a, a football result. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, what a win, what a win by what a result that is. Venue venue five hundred and fifteen. Monkey Barrel four. That is a thrashing. Um, it's been non stop goals for ninety minutes. I mean, Mon- the, anyway, in any other match, Monkey Barrel scoring four, you think you'd win it, but you can't. You can't compete with five hundred and fifteen. Timmy shaking his head. He's right. She's she's doing it. August the second to the fifteenth, then seventeenth to the twentieth, and then the twenty second to the twenty seventh. Uh, suitability sixteen plus. This is nice though. Babes in arms policy. Babies do not require a ticket. A little bit of detail there. I would say if you want an Edinburgh recommendation, hear me out. And uh, that's quite literally the name of Sakisa's show. Tim is uh, editing this out. as we First time anyone's edited a podcast live. Um, Sakisa, hear me out. Uh, That would be a very, very strong recommendation. If you... If you just want a comedian to make you laugh hysterically for an hour while you have a great time, uh, we would recommend Sakisa. Hear me out. We love her a great deal. Um, Tim, any... God, sorry, that was me. I, I do this a lot when it, when I'm
0: knackered and I talk more than I intend. Tim, we love Sakisa a great deal. She's fantastic. Um, yeah, as you say, someone we met during lockdown. And she just gigs all the time. She's constantly... She's one of the hardest working comedians I've ever come across, and that hard work has paid off. She's done live to Apollo. Her Edinburgh shows are always fantastic. Last year's one was it was it was like a party. It was really brilliant, and this one I'm sure is going to be even better. Tim, as ever,
1: much more concise than me, much better. Let's just let's no. just cut to the. Cuts cut to the chase. Uh, yeah, absolutely perfect. Also, is this interesting? Is it, Tim and I, this is interesting trivia to Tim, myself, and I reckon no one else on the planet. But when we came out of lockdown, we deliberately, for our first gig back at the Tommy field,
0: yes. we weren't even
1: out of lockdown. It was, that, it was that sort of in between part, wasn't it? Where there was a bit where we could do some gigs with socially distant seating. I mean, that's, that's for another episode altogether. But for the very, very <laughs> I do first, need therapy, I suppose, guys. We do need therapy, actually, yeah. Oh, guys, I mean, we could do a bonus episode on that. So basically- Measuring seats. Tim had to get there even earlier with a tape measure and was measuring out the seats. I mean, I ask you. <laughs> and so you, you could have two together there, but that if, if it was a single, no, they couldn't go there, but they could go there. You could have three together because they were in the same household and on and on and on. So it, the the layout, the aerial shot of that little room looked crazy. <laughs> it looked, it did, it looked bonkers. But for the first gig back, it was very important that we, pick, we wanted to pick someone who we loved a lot and someone who'd done the lockdown shows and that we were sort of putting our hand on their shoulder as if to say, yeah. So Sakisa, imagine if it wasn't Sakisa. <laughs> The first person back was, sure no, that, <laughs> that first gig back, was Sakisa and Kevin Bridges. So it was, it was, wasn't it? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Sakisa, and, and that was an important thing, capital I, capital T. Anyway, uh, if you, we, we're pretty sure you're familiar with Sakisa's work. But if you're not familiar, God, you're in for a treat. We love the bones of this person. Please welcome, without further ado, the great Sakisa so what right i would say this straight off the bat one thing uh joe wilkinson says is that if if you are a a good dude when it comes to comedy that is such a that is such a huge part of it and uh on behalf of tim and myself you're sakisa we don't think of you just as a good dude you like I've read enough self-help books. I, I'm one of these people that talks about energy, in, and I'm not being ironic. And so I always say about whenever Sakisa comes up in conversation, I'm always like, "Oh, she's got she's got a great energy." Um, but it's 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 true. You know, our you know T- Tim and I we we are happier people uh, since we met you. Has this now has this always been the case, Sakisa? Have you always been a good person? Please tell us there was a time when you were a kid where you're a, a dick, or is this ju- is just is this just, <laughs> do you, just do you just naturally radiate awesomeness? I guess.
2: Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's just something that's just natural, baby. It's just natural. Okay. No, uh yeah, I've, I think I've always had. I think it's I've pro- it's probably because I'm the only child that I've just been like we're all just gonna have some fun, everyone, every day. Like it doesn't mean I don't have sad days, but like I do have like times where i'm just like we're just gonna get on with it and we can't we just have to live our best life the way that we can do so like i try and be as energetic and positive as i can in certain situations even when i'm feeling negative so um yeah always got to be positive and i just like to just like radiate some energy just energy all the time energy it's all about energy
1: (laughs) well i'm going to say this on behalf of everyone who has brothers and sisters because in my experience, I've met some only children who were some of the most selfish, because because <laughs> they've gone their whole life. All right, then Johnny, what do you want to do today? I want to go to the zoo. All right, we'll go to the zoo. And so they've never had to compromise. They've always got their own way. And I, you know, I say this as a, a forty-three-year-old. I, I sound like a child saying that, but it, but it's true that it's a it's a quality that can uh, carry on into into adulthood. Your parents must be saints to have pulled this off, then. <laughs>
2: Um, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that there. Um, um my mom is like very humble, I will probably say. Yes. And she and she is like a I grew up on a council estate in South London and there was she was very overprotective of me as a kid. So I think there's a part of me that's very much like I just want to do what I want to do, but also like in like respect my mum, especially like her values. But I do remember when we go when I was younger, we used to go to Barbados and stay in our house, and like I would notoriously apparently just run off somewhere. Uh, that's what I would just do, just run off somewhere, and then she will find me in a pig pen down the road, just <laughs> having fun with some pigs, apparently. That's just notoriously what I would do. Oh um, so I was trouble. It's not like I was a saint, but I was trouble. But that's what happens when you're an early child. And I think I'm still trouble. I just like to cause mischief. Mischief. That should be my new name. Yeah.
1: Mischief is nice. But I mean, I mean, I would say if you were if you were American, I think Netflix would be there would be would be a bidding war on for Sakisa the the life story. How, how did you how did you get into comedy? Uh,
2: So I got into stand-up comedy because I used to, I was, I work in a pub uh, called the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell um, and Shirley and David who run the pub, they started a comedy night. So I started working there six months after they took over and they started running comedy nights and we had like amazing comedians like go there um, like we had Tim Minchin turn up there and do a show. That was crazy.
1: What year was that?
2: Uh, um, it must have been. It must have been like over ten years ago. It was over ten years ago. Um, but his fans are weird. <laughs> but it was like it's a very small pub in Stockwell. But like he just turned up to do a show that obviously was like. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. Just turned up in a small pub in Stockwell. But we had like comedians. I Think every comedian at some point has graced the co- the stage in some point because we run Comedy Virgins, which is an open mic right night. So, people such as like Sindhu V, Tez Ilias, Harriet Kemsley, um, uh, people like Tom Ward, um, they've all graced James Gill, G- <laughs> yeah, James Gale, uh, Rob Beckett. Um, have all been there James Acosta when I first met him told me that he started he did a gig there once and that was his one of his first ever gigs so everyone's greatest comedy version stage at one point I was working behind the bar and about seven years ago my boss said to me you're slightly funny um why don't you give it a go and I was like I don't really want to do that uh and then I did and I talked about lines for five minutes and it was crap um I had no no jokes. It was me riffing for five minutes about lines. Um, (laughs) uh, And then I decided it wasn't really for me and they were kind of like pushing me to try and do it. So I ended up doing the sound for Comedy Virgins when part of that job was that how you got like money, but you also got a free spot. So it kind of made me think about doing it a bit more. And I didn't really think about taking it seriously until like I ended up in the BBC Comedy Awards. And in the final, I was like, oh, crap, we're going to have to do something with this now. So, yeah, that's how I ended up in it. I'm not very good at public speaking. So it's, I, that's why I wanted to really, like, push myself to do it, because I'm was i very bad at public speaking or just socialising in general, which like, people find quite funny.
1: Well, I, I mean, my, as you can see, my jaw is essentially on the desk here, because you, <laughs> you're such a natural. So everything that you said there, I'd have, obviously incorrectly, I'd have assumed the, the total opposite. So, how, I mean, how on earth have you have you managed that then? Because you you on stage, you look like you were you you look like you were born to perform.
2: Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, so, I used to dance when I was younger. I was always kind of had this like, I want to be on stage kind of vibe. But because I'm very wary about my voice and how I speak, um, I've always been really bad at public speaking.
1: You've got um, a great, hang on, I don't sound like Jiminy Crick- Cricket to your Pinocchio here. You've got a great voice.
2: <laughs> I think it's quite annoying, personally. I think it's really loud and annoying. Like, I don't, like, listen to myself. No! Stop! <laughs> right! Stop,
1: stop this! Right. <laughs> so, I've, look, I've read enough self-help to know, apparently, if you make one negative comment about yourself, I think it's, is it six positive? You're supposed to make some, like, six positive comments? I feel like right now, dude, you need to give us 18 positive comments um no that, got...
2: well, I could tell you about that I mean I'm amazing I've got great <laughs> hair uh, <laughs> my nails are on point today uh, no. <laughs> no um no I'll tell you what it is is because when I was in school I you know when they used to make you read from a book yeah um uh, I had trouble trouble like reading I still have like trouble reading out loud it's not I don't have trouble reading it's reading out loud there's certain words and I think I am slightly dyslexic but I can't afford to get the test done um certain words I know but won't come out my mouth so ever since I was a kid I've had a problem or had a fear of like public speaking but then when I started doing comedy and it took me about two years to figure out like who I was on stage and like have that sort of persona of like uh energy but also it took me two more further years to to not can I swear on this podcast yeah sure to not give a fuck um when especially when I was emceeing so and that was mainly by the help of Barry Ferns that helped me to get to that point where I got to the I don't give a fuck kind of stage but yeah I've just generally had a problem public speaking um especially when it came to like reading so I've always been fearful when I came up on a stage to speak like me giving speeches I can't really it's not it never really comes out really well and like I have to do like sometimes like corporate award shows and I have to make sure they send me the speech well in advance because and we have to do rehearsal because there's certain words that I just won't connect from the page to my head so um yeah, so I think generally, like I'm, I'm normally quite—I'm normally a shy person. I don't really like. I'm very wary about how people see me. So, doing comedy is is a nice way for me to please people and to maybe make them like me um, in that kind of sense. But it's yeah. So that's this is turned into therapy. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> i'm hanging off your every word here
2: yeah so it's um i i generally enjoy comedy i think comedy has saved my life especially in the last year but i i really enjoy being able to perform and just have just like radiate energy to people and just make them have a good time and i feel I, i always try and make it like as entertaining as possibly can, even though I'm not, I know I'm not the best joke writer, but I feel like I want to be a person that people can relate to. So I I even though I'm quite shy, I normally will notoriously don't really want to speak to people. Um when I get on stage, it's a completely different persona. I turn in a bit like Beyonce Sasha Fierce, when you see me on stage. So like I could be asleep, like two two minutes before the show and the show will start and it, and it literally like, let's go, let's do a show. That's the energy Um, whenever we get into stage performance mode. So, yeah.
1: And that's, that's a really healthy mindset. I think I think that's why I guess someone like Harry, you know, Harry Hill's real name is Matthew Hall and then the Harry Hill persona, the pens in the pocket, the big collar, it's that same sort of thing that allows you to be your glorious self on stage, I guess, Akisa
2: yeah that's why when I started comedy um I gave I had a nickname at uh, law school and um I when I started comedy I used that as my name my stage name which was Twix as the chocolate but um since then uh since like I got signed um people still reference me as Twix um but obviously my stage name is is my real name which is Sikita but um I use like Twix as like this separate personality to like push me through to like be able to get away with certain things. Like, And I feel like I, (laughs) for some weird reason, I do get away with certain things on stage and I don't know how I've managed to do that. But it is is very interesting when you uh, are trying to like figure out what audiences want and I think this is an interesting game when it comes to comedy, when, you're, when you are trying to figure out, oh, this is one. But um, I just try to be on the stage as natural or and just like a slight exaggeration of myself as possible, um, where I'm like, let's see how much I can get away with today.
0: Yeah, sure. Um,
1: yeah. Do, now, are you, are you now full-time with all things comedy related or are you still juggling it with uh, the the legal stuff
2: um i've decided to take a break from legal stuff um, so i'm full time
1: how now i asked this question as someone who was a who was juggling a full time job for many many years with, with comedy um, it's i mean f- first of all it's hard isn't it because you are finishing you finishing a full day in an office and then, jumping on a train to the middle of nowhere, you're getting back at early hours of the morning, getting up the next day for work. um those of us who do not have the luxury or did not have the luxury of um this is sounding quite chippy, but you know what I mean, did not have the luxury of of not having to work it 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 gets tiring, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it, I did it for about half my life in terms i have I've always had multiple jobs since I was sixteen. I had my first job when I was 16 and then when I turned 17 I got another job in the sensor so I've always had multiple jobs at one point I think I had five jobs and studying at the same time so I studying full-time yeah so I had five jobs and was studying at the full-time and like the other day I was talking to my friend about how I've only got one job which is stand-up comedy at the moment and he was like that has never happened in your life like that has never happened so my body kind of got used to like always being on the go and like always doing things so like now when I don't have anything to do in the day it's kind of like this is weird yeah this is this is weird um it's not in it and to be honest it's not even like I've not had anything to do in the day like things have popped up um and like work comedy, work things and like you've got to do writing it's given me more time to do writing and actually more time to like sleep in until like 10 o'clock in the the morning (laughs) so things like that have been actually quite helpful for my own mental and physical health um but it is exhausting when you when you were when I was working like a full-time job and then having to like go to do, do a gig and you didn't finish that gig until like 12 11 o'clock 12 o'clock and you didn't get home until like 1 o'clock so it's a long day and then you do lose out on things like seeing your friends seeing like your i don't have any i don't have any um brothers and sisters obviously but my friends they've got kids so i call them my nieces and nephews and stuff like that so you don't really get to see them grow up and you miss out on certain things so you feel like you're kind of like left behind in some point and there've been times where been like, I don't know if this was the right decision for me to do when I could have just been married and had kids um, and then lived that life like my friends do. And, but at the same time, I'm on TV. So cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the great yin and yang there. Yeah. No, I can, mate, I can, I can, I think we can all relate to that, you know. And then you, see, you do, you see events taking place that your mates are at, and, you know, while you're, Performing a gig in a leisure centre in Essex or whatever, but it's just it's just all part of it, I suppose, isn't it?
2: Yeah, cause you cause our Thursday, Friday, Saturday is probably our busiest days, and like when it's sunny and it's like barbecues, and you're like, I can come, but I can I have to leave at six o'clock. It's kind of like quite like sad at at times, but I've decided I'm going to try and like be better with time management and like try and book at least one weekend off every month. That's not happened in the run up to Edinburgh,
1: but <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's, I went to a when I first started 12 years ago, I went to a comedy seminar and if there's any new acts listening, if if, if there's ever such a thing on, I'd, I would recommend it. I think it was Lisa White who said, make sure that you keep living a normal life because otherwise you will have nothing to talk about on stage. And she said, you end up with comedians where all their routines are, are about gigs and traveling to gigs. And that really stayed with me. And I have since seen multiple times comedians and every bit is I was traveling to this gig or I was at this gig. And it's less and less relatable for the audience, isn't it? That, that you know, the the, uh, the the gap between performer and audience just gets Ever wider, so it is important to. I mean, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying this as someone who's who, who has not managed it either. You've been, you've been given the opportunity to curate your fantasy gig. Uh, do you, now to kick off with. Do you have any pre gig rituals?
2: Um, sometimes I like to have a nap, depending on how tired I am. Sometimes I like to have a nap. Um, however, not really um I know it depends on the show will depend on whether I have a drink or not and it depends on what I'm doing in the show um if I'm emceeing or if I'm doing a set will depend on whether I have a drink or not um or if I'm driving obviously then I won't drink um but I generally don't have a pre-show like I don't do, my my director always get someone like getting at me because I don't do warm-ups and apparently I should be warming up my voice. Uh, I'm like, I'm not Celine Dion. <laughs> like, but uh, apparently it's very important for us as as performers to warm up our voice. I still haven't got into the habit of doing that. If I'm really nervous about a gig, I will put on music and then just do a walk outside.
1: Yes. What, what sort of music are you talking We're talking, like, (laughs) proper, like, hardcore rap
2: hip-hop music. Like the ones that have got big old bass lines where I'm literally just like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. vibe, 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 vibe. Yeah. And then in my head, I'm like, just remember your Beyonce. Just remember your Beyonce. Just remember your Beyonce.
1: And that music is getting you into the, the happy place or the you know that the the blood pumping the adrenaline is is up there so that when you hit the stage you're up for it that is that is part of the process I'm guessing
2: yeah yeah but as you mentioned earlier I've got way too much energy for my liking so no I, I naturally natu- don't ne- I naturally don't need it I will just if if I've been like I said I've been asleep at times and they've been like the show's starting in four minutes I'm like okay I'm well, up and they go what was it to say Sakisa I'm like yes. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> so. Me being tired or like, I'm always just like energy fired, regardless
1: of what I do. Now, I'm with you with the nap. Now, are you one of these, I'm not one of these people. Are you one of these people who's just able to close their eyes and they have a nap like that? Or do you have to do, what I'm getting at here is that this is a confession. I have to listen to ASMR in order to have a nap.
2: Wow. No, I could fall asleep on the tube and a bus. You serious. Yeah, I've done that before. I've fallen asleep on a tube at a bus. I've fallen asleep and a have t- fallen asleep when I've had a tattoo done. Um <laughs> what? Yeah. So I've got a tattoo, I've got a tattoo on my ribs um of like a rose. And it took it took about maybe two and a half hours to do, maybe even three. And I basically fell asleep and the man was like, Oh, you're right. I was like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm just asleep. He was like, men cry when they get this done. I'm like, yeah, it's cool.
1: I cannot but be- So while you're having a, a needle repeatedly jammed into you, you, you fell asleep?
2: Yeah. Quite a sexy nap. MC-wise, uh, it was a toss-up, I'm not going to lie, um, between James Gill. And Masood Myla.
1: I thought you were going to say and Sakisa.
2: No, I I really enjoy emceeing. I really do enjoy emceeing. Um, but this I feel like there's certain shows that I wouldn't be good at emceeing. And I think you and Masood are very very good at working any room.
1: Well, t- tell you what, just so that my, my head doesn't get too big, why don't we go with Masood?
2: Okay. <laughs> That's your choice. It's your oh, no, podcast.
1: Hang on. hang on. What am I doing? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm passing up the opportunity of a lifetime here. Yeah.
2: yeah uh,
1: I... Well, tell you what, we'll go, should we go Masood first? Okay, we'll go Masood. Masood uh, and Milo. Again, he's got a lovely energy. He's got great energy.
2: And, like, he comes on... He has, like, his jacket is the one that, (laughs) if you've never seen him, he has this, like, 70s shaft jacket that he whacks on every single time. And I'm always like, you should just have, like, a closet of, like, different jackets that you can be, like, I feel like this one today. Like, someone needs to do it for him or something. He's so great. Um, I met him from, like, gigging at Angel Comedy and, like, where you see what any of the MCs do there is actually amazing. Um, but him, like Barry is absolutely amazing as well. Um, it's like trying to pick an MC was so hard because it would, it's so difficult. Um, because people are just so good at what they do. And I look at them and I quite envy that how they are able just to like whip a room into a frenzy and and do a great job. Um and it, I feel like people who want like not everyone can MC. Um and that's fair play. But I feel like people that who want to MC should go and watch a proper MC and how they, they do it. And I think one thing that Barry taught me was that how as an MC your job is not to be funny. Your job is to try and set up a room so the audience is aware that this is going to be a comedy night. And if you ask an audience member some questions, um, you should just be honest with your response because it, it's probably going to be naturally funny anyway. And if it's not funny, then that's perfectly fine. And that's kind of what I took on from that um, a piece of advice. Like your job is to make sure the rest of the comics and audience have a great show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've heard similar stories. That there are stories out there of, let's say, MCs we won't name, but who who will deliberately screw a gig up to make it all about them. I mean, I know I know of an act. Such a shame. They were really good. They'd got to like really good open spot level, and they asked an MC. They were they were doubling, and they said to an MC, "Can you just do your allotted time, ten minutes?
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. I've got to double." And the MC, and it felt deliberate, did 40 minutes. Wow. And not only did the guy miss his train, but the guy never did another gig again because he was like, life's too short. Whatever. All
2: that at that place.
1: Never did a a gig. No. He found it so... What happened was he he went on stage and actually lost his temper at the MC in question and uh, just went home and was like... Yeah, not for me anymore. Um, and that's I, I very extreme. But uh, and they'd probably been waiting for the excuse to tap out. But we, you know, we're talking a re- we're talking a really good act there. Uh, and really, it's about the, the thing with them seeing is it's about the greater good, isn't it? Rather than you know, because if, if if you MC and if you let's say you have three sections, if you smash all three sections, but the night was a disaster, well, that's that's no good, is it?
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's important no matter because I MC a range of shows uh, on the spectrum of comedy yeah and being able to grow as a MC as well as a comedian doing them has been quite um, helpful to my like, life in terms of like Talking to people, asking them certain questions, trying to have some banter. People people sometimes are a bit like, I feel like they end up being scared of me, which I don't want. But it's because they know that how this, this might be me taking the piss. But it's not, it's not done in hatred or to make fun of anyone. It's done in banter. But I think people are always a bit wary anyway, which is why they don't sit in the front row. But little do they know, I will find them anywhere,
1: <laughs> but I also think that some people, especially people that haven't perhaps been to gigs before, I think they're scarred by what's in their head, so they think it's still like this this old school jongler's environment of the MC <coughs> being really horrid to people or you know causing real upset, rather than a gig being a a, a warm environment, especially MCs being warm, um, and so you know Tim and I. We've done gigs, not to always be comedy, I, I to add, but we've done gigs where people physically will not sit on the front row. And so you, the, the gig is full and there's an empty front row because people have that phobia. Um, but I, I, I just don't think comedy's like that anymore, is it?
2: No, it's evolved and changed. Um, the hecklers are still there, but like it has evolved and changed. We just need to get past that. And everyone just needs to understand we're all here for a good time. As long as you're... Sometimes it is with audience members, like, pulling teeth sometimes to get them into a zone. But, like, as long as they have, are in the headspace that we're all here to have a good time,
1: then the show would be fine and fun. That's right. I mean, it can be a bit of a handholding exercise sometimes. Right, <laughs> so that's great. Now, who would you have as your opener?
2: My opening act would be Kima Bob.
1: Great choice.
2: She has got so much energy and she is got a great voice, not as in like how she sounds, but like what she's saying on stage. And she will always bring up energy in a show. So I think she'll be, she's a great opener. people I people notoriously hate opening I I notoriously hate opening because like you don't really so even though the MC would be doing a great job sometimes audits are not really there you want them they normally need a drink or something normally after a break it's quite interesting how different a show can feel but I think keema Bob will keep the show going and be able to like sustain an energy from the MC into the first act. Um, and I I love what she talks about on stage, um, in terms of her uh comedy. She's very much like me, where she where she, her she is a very diverse range.
1: Uh, also the stuff the stuff Keema is talking about is not only hilarious and great gear and and but to me it's an education because she's talking about things that I had like not just zero like negative <laughs> prior knowledge of so she talks about that uh, there's like a weekend retreat she went here yeah you know the you know the better I mean yeah and then, and then she said i think does she perform comedy on i think the sunday of the of the retreat but by which time she's already established herself as maybe i'm telling this in the wrong order but anyway look the stuff she's talking about you know i, I mean I, i'm like the perfect audience because i'm soaking this information like a sponge. I couldn't be more interested. I'm almost like living vicariously through her. Um, and I, I think I think has been such a a terrific addition to the to to British comedy.
2: Yeah. Um and she's she's been smashing it out of the park with everything that she touches, and it's such a great thing to see. And she has just generally got this like radiant energy about her, like and you can just be—you want to—you want to be honest with her, and you also just want to hug from her all the time, because she's just she's just a great person, and she is quite like she's honest. She is she's sensitive, but she's also um, a person who will show compassion in and, and empathy in no matter what's happening. But she's bloody funny. She's so so funny. If, if anything comes out of her mouth she's just like why oh, you gotta be so funny?" <laughs> she's
1: she's also done that th- Kima's also done that thing uh same as yourself I'd say Rosie Jones I'd say Maisie Adam where when TV has come a- I've I've heard very established people say that when you do your first telly it's it's a bit like being an open spot again in that you've got to learn how to do telly so it's you almost need 10 20 you know, in a dream world, 30 TV appearances until you find out, you know, you find out what's going on and, and what you're doing. But the guys I've just mentioned, I, I include you in that, it's, it's like you hit the ground running. So TV came along and it was like you'd already done 30, 40, 50. I, mean, I remember Jonathan Ross, both yourself and Kima did Jonathan Ross's comedy. You'd have thought, oh, right, so I, these guys have been doing Tally for 10 years have there. No, no, they haven't. Yeah, because that was straight out
2: the pen, it was two weeks after the pandemic had shut had and opened up where this was the first tv record massively and i was recording on the first day and i had three gigs beforehand to rehearse this set and i remember seeing you being like oh it's someone i know thank you uh, and it was really nice because most people on the on the show were like some people that people that i hang out with on the circuit anyway so that was really nice but having to experience that whole thing as my debut Mate. was phenomenal was crazy and I literally I think I zoned out when I did it because I don't remember being on that stage um or doing those jokes but I remember I watched it afterwards and obviously I look amazing yeah, I always absolutely. say that as, if I'm not going to be funny, I won't be pretty.
1: <laughs> oh, no, mate, you you and Kima, I mean, you, Christ almighty, you both you both ripped it. And as I say, you, you came across like two two old stages, you know, that, that's how good it was. So uh, Kima, w- uh, wonderful choice, terrific. So we've had a break, we've come back from the break. Who's in the middle?
2: In the middle for me, okay, this is a toss up. Oh, this was hard. Because I really wanted there to be four, but I can't have four.
1: I don't think the world will end if you have two in the middle, you know.
2: For, okay, fine. Amazing. Right, so my two... Okay, if I'm going to do two in the middle... Right, if I'm going to do two in the middle, it's going to be... They're doing short tens. <laughs> it will be uh James Acaster and Helen Bauer. James is going first because... Have you seen Helen Bauer? <laughs> that energy is—I I, sometimes I do shows with her, and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm, she's closing this show because that energy is crazy. I love her to death. Um, she's one of my favorite humans on the planet. But she, her energy on stage is like you getting punched in the face like several times with laughter, and yeah, I would, I wouldn't want to follow that.
1: Helen's ability to effortlessly shift up the gears as well. So she's in—I mean, she's never in first gear. But let's say she's in. Let's say she's in third gear, and then from nowhere, pranks it up to like this ninth gear. I mean, you, you know what I mean, don't you? you and yeah. you feel the the, the sonic boom. Uh, yeah, uh, ferocious talent, Helen Bauer.
2: Yeah, um, and then James A. Castle will go on first. I think he is. Uh, so quirky and talented <laughs> uh, And he just he just Seems effortlessly Like He knows what he's doing, he's been doing it for years But he knows his voice And He is just a lovely man In general but like I think When he's on stage He's just got such an effortlessness To it that I'm so like Envious of, like it just feels like He's just talking to his cat that's how he feels like. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I mean, I think in the history of comedy, by the time Acast, uh, uh calls it a day, and you know, hopefully that's not for another fifty years, but in the history of comedy, I, I think the guy's going to go down as, and pro- probably already will go down as one of the all-time greats. What he's do- what he's done for for comedy and stand-up in terms of moving it forward, and, and you know, the phrase "changing the game" is is uh, over and and misused but but with uh with acaster i I really feel that he has
2: yeah i i generally think he's like a rare comedy talent to have found in the uk and i'm very happy with all of its success he needs to stop doing podcasts but like (laughs) He uh like give, a, give share it around with some people. A caster like stop that.
1: Right, so that's that's that is a middle section for the ages. Another break. We come back. Who is closing the gig?
2: Right. If I if we're talking about someone who is closing my dream show, someone I and again this was a toss up, but. It would just edged it for me. It would have to be Kevin Hart. Wow. Wow. I don't know if you can afford Kevin Hart, but we You've want got, Kevin you, Hart. Money,
1: money, time, and money are, are, are no object. Uh, absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And, and and you 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 can, you can almost forget that he is a stand-up. What I mean by that is because the movie career has obviously gone the the way. Uh it has you know enormo hit after Enormo hit. Yeah. Y- you almost forget that this this is where the guy came from originally.
2: Yeah, I seen him live twice. Have you really? I've seen him live at the O2 twice. Um, and I was really annoyed to find out that he had come down and performed at a comedy venue that and I hadn't been able to see it because I didn't know he was doing that because it was a surprise. And I was just like, oh, I can't believe I missed Kevin Hart in London at a venue that i would perform at uh, like it was so heartbreaking sure and to be able to know that some of my comic friends had seen him doing his new stuff ahead of his like tour
1: amazing
2: i was so like upset but i've seen him twice live and just seeing him in interviews even like i remember he was plugging ride along i think it was even ride along or ride along two yeah and he was in and it there's they've videoed this that how Ice Cube was there with the host of this radio show, and um Kevin Hart was running late, and like they started the start to start the interview, and Kevin Hart runs in and literally was like, so so for being late, and it just makes up this stupid story that is so hilariously funny about why he's late. But the even him talking naturally is is so funny like like he's just got funny bones and to be able to to talk naturally and to perform the stand up regardless of what happens in the personal life or whatever but like i just think he's so funny
1: we're not going to grill him on his personal life at the gig
2: no no
1: kevin yeah. closes with a q and a oh yes actually kevin a couple of questions about yeah. <laughs> wait come back kevin yeah. um he, no I've never seen Kevin live. I'm guessing he's a comedian who knows how to play the O2.
2: Yeah. It was called Let Me Explain. Um, That's the one that he did at O2 first. And then he did his one straight after that um, as well um, a couple years later. But I watched Let Me Explain. What he did was he was like, I've seen Kanye and Jay-Z do their tours and they've always got fire on their tours. So, I'm occasionally going to drop some fire on you. And he would just do this random story that was has such a big, funny punchline. And he's like, I'm going to drop some fire on you bitches. And it just pops out of nowhere. It was so good. He's oh, just, a, so he's just good. a rock star. He's just a rock
1: star. And if you can do it, why not? But that, and also that's utilising the, the the size of the venue as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And he's a bit like me where he is a walker he doesn't stay in one place. He is a walker. If I've got space, I will walk on a stage. Um, so I was, yeah, seeing him was very much like a, a great moment for me to be like, just enjoy it. And that's what he looks like. He's doing all the time. Just
1: enjoying it. This is it. We sometimes forget that it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. So easy to get wrapped, you know, taking it too seriously and all that. And, uh, yeah, I imagine seeing Kevin, it must be such a, a joyous experience. You know, one of the, uh, one of the great, you know, I, I love physicality in a performer and one of the great, all-time great physical performers, Kevin Hart.
2: Yeah, and um, people always ask me, like, one of the notorious questions people ask you, even as an audience or if you're being interviewed, is who's your favourite comic? And I grew up watching quite a lot of, like, um, sketch shows on, like, BBC and ITV on terrestrial tv like um i used to watch um the far show quite a lot so i grew up with like kevin and perry and watching like sitcoms like keeping up appearances and last of the summer wine i used to i used to watch all of those so me i never used i never was introduced to stand up because it wasn't really on tv as much as it is now it was really sit. That I was watching, and I love British sitcoms so much. I think they're so great, especially British sketch shows as well. The Fast Show is probably one of my favorite ones. But, and obviously, like, goodness gracious me was like epic um, for what it did for diversity as well. Sure. But I was really introduced to stand up watching death jam comedy. And like, American comedy was obviously very different to British comedy. And I was watching Martin Lawrence, watching, like, Chris Tucker when they were so young and was found that so hilarious. Like, Kings of Comedy is one of my favourite.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. With Bernie Mac.
1: Mate. Steve Harvey MCs that doesn't he? Oh,
2: Steve Harvey is so great as an it's, MC with that.
1: Steve Harvey, it's Steve Harvey that does the Titanic scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mate, he's there's an American comedy uh, comedian, improviser, comedy actor called Paul Shear, and Paul Shear yeah. went on Conan years ago and said, "You've got to watch Steve Harvey on Family Feud," and this was before Steve Harvey had gone. Was this was before he was one of the biggest names in in American television? And so I went on YouTube to watch Steve Harvey's best bits on Family Feud, which is there. It's American's Family Fortunes, isn't it? Yeah. That dude has got funny bones, hasn't he? And he's one of those people. Someone will give a silly answer, and let's say the camera's there, and Steve Harvey will just look down the barrel of the camera <laughs> and just hold the, he just holds the gaze <laughs> as if to say, can you believe what we've just heard? And he'll hold it for what feels like a full minute. And yeah. the, the crowd are weeping. And, on, and then on Kings of Comedy, he does a bit about the Titanic, and the the line that kills me every time is, "And the band played on," <laughs> and he says, "If that had been Earth, Wind and Fire," and then yeah. it's, him, it's him miming, pulling the mic out, yeah. packing up the. Oh my god! I mean, that is that's like god tier stand up, isn't it?
2: Yeah, he that whole special was so epic so so epic um and it obviously has bernie Mac in it r.i.p just just doing what bernie Mac does and I. and then they had a like a spin-off one called queens of comedy um and it had monique in it in that one and it was the first time i seen her do stand up um before i knew she was like like precious or whatever yeah but like Watching those sitcoms Those like specials Those American shows was when I was Really introduced to um, Stand up and watching Eddie Murphy's Raw even though like The things he talks about I watched it the other Day and I was like if this was nowadays None of this would get, get, be Able to get away with but like Eddie Murphy's Raw In the context Of that time is So good <laughs> I was let me explain which is the one the first show i watched of kevin hart live at o2 i will watch that on repeat because it is so funny and that's what i think comedy if you've got comedy that is can be timeless and is funny in any generation i think that makes you a, an epic comic right right I would,
1: I would, this gig of, this gig of yours is... Ph- phenomenal but it incident you would love to happen at this gig i.e your favorite incident ever from a gig um please. Oh, so
2: about. i really sometimes i really enjoy emceeing because you never know what's going to happen in terms of um your uh, audience reaction or something that is a catalyst to something else happening in the show and I recently remember emceeing and um, a woman in the front row was talking about, I was talking about dating. She was like, I'm in between. And and I was like, what do you mean? And she was talking about the fact that how she was in for this part, this person for like three years, but there's been dating. So it's been on and off. And I was kind of like, get rid of him, get rid of him. <laughs> and a friend next to her was like, yeah she needs to get rid of it like just get rid of him you know what we're gonna hook you up today what's your type um and there was a man a few rows behind her who I had started chatting to later on in the show and he was talking about he was single and I was like "Are are you up for some fun not in that kind of way, but are you up for some fun? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know what we're going to do? Because I feel like you two could be the perfect match. We're going to swap some seats. Okay, you come over here. Yeah. And literally made them swap seats. So they sat next to each other. Amazing. So the rest of the show, they were sitting next to each other. And obviously my occasional like, what are you two up to? Kind of vibe was going on. And then I think at the end of the show, they left together. Um I don't know what happened. I want to, but like, it was just nice for me to be like, making some love connections. Like I'm still a black or something. Well, um,
1: Sakisa, they're both here. and they. <laughs> yeah.
2: See that,
1: that, that story there, that is why nothing beats live comedy. Cause you're not going to get that. And that's your skills. That's your, your genius as a performer to make that magic happen. That if I'd have been there as a fan or, or, or on the bill, I would have, been uh, applauding the swapping, yeah. se- swapping seats thing is terrific top tier stuff and then the fact that they leave together is chef's kiss
2: yeah literally everyone was applauding because obviously they were a bit like uh and everyone was like no we're gonna do it yay but this is why i need to record more when i'm emceeing because i'd hardly ever record it unless i it. the exact for same them.
1: way yeah totally so many things we like Oh, if we got that moment on cam, you know. Yeah
2: um, because like the other day I was like talking to like this family, and this there was a gran, a mum, and a brother and sister. And throughout the show, another comedian had found out that the son's name, he I think he's 18, was called I don't know if I can say this. I'm gonna say you could cut this out, Tim. It was because I just think it's funny. It's called Jem. And so when I came back on stage after the second uh, in the second half I was talking to the family And I was like Oh sister what's your name And she went Diamond And I was like to the mum Oh mum Do you have a favourite child And these are your children This Is your favourite child And she was like no I love my children both equally I was like you named one Diamond <laughs> And one Gem <laughs> Of course you've got a favourite child
1: <laughs> What, wonderful! You call one, you call one kid Queen, and the other one you've called Sally.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but like, I just think when you MC, like the craziest
1: things can happen, and I
2: think that's what makes moments and people remember those moments.
1: Hundred percent, and that that there with the sw- switching chairs and so on, and the, and the diamond and the gem. The next day, people at work would be going, "The MC last night, you know, it's great." Yeah. Uh, right, phenomenal, great. That's that's wonderful. Uh, incident you'd love to erase uh, your your least favourite incident from a gig, i.e., one that must not happen at this gig.
0: Um,
2: this is quite difficult to me because I haven't had bad incidences happen at a gig, but I have seen. <laughs> so I've seen when a comedian is. I is, we thought, we thought we all thought this was hilarious, but I've seen it was a late night show. The audience were obviously very very drunk and the comedian was trying to get try to try to do a notorious bit that I've seen them do on several occasions and it's been perfectly fine and smashed and it's a great bit but the audience just wasn't on board so then for like the rest of the set they were just like I'm just gonna stand here in silence
1: <laughs> and oh. I was like
2: Oh let's not do that And then people started laughing Because what had happened was someone had heckled them During their joke And it just kind of I think they just Something in them clicked and snapped And just berated that audience member And the audience member thought that It was like banter So I started laughing and the person was like No I'm not joking
1: Deadly serious.
2: Deadly serious Don't interrupt me and, I, and it, it was very rare for me to see this person like this. And I was just like, oh, my God, what? And then they carried and then they tried to carry on. And the person heckled again or said something or someone else said something. And then they were just like, you know what? I was going to stand here for, silence for the rest of the set. And it was like three minutes into the set and they were doing like a 10. And I was like, oh, God, what we what we what, what's happening right now? This is going to be really, really awkward. And then people started laughing, thinking this was like joke. He was they were joking. And they weren't joking, and they were like, I'm not joking. I, I'm not I'm not here to make you laugh anymore. This is not this is not entertainment, blah
1: blah blah. So was just really awkward for seven minutes. So they stood, the side, they stood in front
2: are inside for seven minutes. Yeah, they're ah! and, and people people kept trying to like make it like and they were like five minutes to go. And I was like, someone get them off, someone please. And they were being deadly serious. And then when it got to, it went down to like two minutes and I was just like, I can't believe we're like, and people kept trying to like say something and and they just kept putting them down like, no, this is not your time. This is my time. I'm not, I'm not here to make you laugh and stuff like that. And I was just kind of, and it got to like 30 seconds and then they tried to make a last joke to be like, fuck you, I can make a joke. And obviously that was just a bit awkward. And then luckily, they were closing the first section because if I had to follow that, I would have been really upset <laughs> to have to follow that. Oh, Or have to be the MC for that. Yeah, I think I would have been like really upset.
1: Now, that's a perfect choice because I, I wasn't there, but I was I I could have been physically sick as you were telling that. Yeah, seven yeah. minute and that and, and again, time is relative and all that, that seven minutes would have felt like a month.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It was so long. So right. so long. That will not, that will not happen. Right. So the, the gig is finished. Phenomenal gig. What is your post? Maybe, maybe you have a go-to post gig TV or movie, or there's some other way you unwind after a gig. I will probably
2: watch wrestling or something to do with wrestling. Um, to go to sleep
1: now Tim our tech who you know well will have just fallen off his chair because have you and Tim talked about wrestling of course of course why don't right AEW there is talk of it coming to Craven Cottage is this correct where's Craven Cottage Craven Cottage is where it's only those because Tim's told me this AEW is owned by the son of the guy that owns Fulham Football Club yes that's correct and so is it Tony Khan Totally can't, yeah. And so the chat is, is that AEW, I don't, I could be wrong here, I don't think it's properly come over to Britain to do a live show yet. No. Under this guy anyway. And he's vowed that when they do, it will be at Fulham Football Club rather than yeah. the O2 or Wembley or whatever. Fair Why, play. Don't, why don't the three of us go to Craven Cottage together to see AEW when it happens.
2: Yeah, I, I, I literally said, as soon as they announce an AEW show, I am there. Uh,
1: Sakita, we, we cannot thank you enough. That, and that is um that's a, a way to unwind that I, I know Tim, Tim will very much get behind as well. Now, before you go, I know a lot of the ABC is already following you on the socials, but how, what's your website? Uh, how can they follow you? Anything else you'd like to add?
2: So, people can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. So, my Instagram is Twix Comedy, Twix Like the Chocolate, um, or you can probably find it by Sikisa Comedy on Instagram. Uh, same with Twitter, it's Sikisa Comedy. Uh, my website is www.sikisacomedy.com. No, Dot, yeah, it is.com because I bought the com. Sikisa.comedy.com.
0: You're, I've
1: got to say also, your. Your website is, is absolutely beautiful.
2: Thank you, babe. My comedy husband made it for me. Um, Adrian Taos, who runs Switch Chocolate Pictures. He does all my photos. He does. Um, so I've got new promo shirts that came out as well. And he's done all of those. He's very good. He does video stuff as well. He used to do stand-up. He still kind of still does stand-up comedy, but he's more he moved into like the backstage or like the Tim. He's the Tim. He's my Tim.
1: He's your He's tim. tim.
2: He's my Tim. He's yeah. my I can't believe I'm
1: saying this. I don't know what the fonts is for Sakisa, but whoever created it, it's an absolute beauty. The gold swirly writing. Yeah, he created it. Did he? I think so. Jesus, wet. Brilliant. Well done. Um Sakisa, thank you very much for everything that you that you do. Um we, we love you very much and we're very grateful for your uh your uh time here and sheer Sakisaness. Good luck with the show. Um, Thank you.
2: As we said I, I was just gonna say, sorry to interrupt, I will say that how I am very grateful to you, James and Tim, uh, but especially you, James, because you basically was this the catalyst to my comedy career evolving uh in the lockdown. If I don't think if you had discovered me, I'd, a lot of things wouldn't have happened for me during lockdown and coming out of it so I'm very grateful for you and to always be a comedy community it's not a cult it's a community um, um because you have been such the loveliest people to me and I really appreciate that
1: thanks very much um oh, oh, I cut this bit out of me crying Tim um <laughs> community's much you know what Tim we should use community instead of cult moving forward that's uh that's wonderful so Keith, that, that means a great deal, and uh, you know we we wouldn't do it for nothing. So what I mean is, thank you for being so brilliant, and thanks for, as we said it, it, in the very opening line, just thanks for always being such a, gr- a great dude. And uh, you know, th- I, I know that this is just the start for you. So uh, thanks very much.
2: No, thank you.
1: Cheers, dude. God bless. I'm off for, I'm off for a cry in the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Huge and heartfelt thanks to the great Sakisa. Uh, you can visit her website, SakisaComedy.com. You can follow her on Instagram. Sakisa underscore aka underscore Twix. She's got a Twix-related gag. Let's not, I'm not. Let's not burn Sakisa's gear. Uh, and there is a Facebook page, Twix Comedy. Comes back to that Twix nickname. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm painting myself into a Twix. Shaped Corner. I know that Sakisa will be listening to this laughing at me getting awkward at knowing what her Twix joke is. Um, you can you can buy tickets to Sakisa's Edinburgh show at the uh, it's the tickets.edfringe.com uh, website. It's very easy to find. Sakisa, hear me out. Also, while this was all happening, Tim and I were chatting going, because we've got Sakisa with us soon. We're like, let's get Sakisa down again. So, <laughs> Oh, in real time, we emailed her. <laughs> do you want to also do Monday the 26th of June? <laughs> she came back. Yep. So if you want to see Sakisa, if you can't make May the 31st, uh, you can also see her Monday the 26th of June. I'll tell you what, mate, that's another good lineup. Monday the 20 20- let's just take it as a given that all the lineups are good. Uh, Monday the 26th of June, Sakisa, Finn Taylor, and then we would say one of the greatest comedians We've ever seen at always be comedy. Rich Hall, oh my God! And not right. Not only is Rich, I know we talked about him before on this podcast, Tim. We, we should probably try and get Rich Hall on the pod. Uh, but Rich Hall is one of the greats. But also as a Letterman fan, a fan of Americana and American comedy, good God, has he got some stories! So uh, that's uh, always be comedy Monday, twenty sixth of June. If you've never seen Rich Hall before, sweet. Nelly Furtado, do yourself a favor. And also Finn Taylor, quietly becoming one of the best, not quietly, he's not been miming, noisily becoming one of the finest comedians of his generation. Absolutely ferocious talent. We love uh, Finn a lot. Anyway, we're waffling on. Sorry, I am waffling on. Thank you, Tim. Uh, there are lots more shows over the coming weeks and months. You can find out more at alwaysbecomedy.com I tell you what lucy beaumont is doing a tour preview with us on wednesday the 13th of september there are quite literally wafer thin levels of tickets left for that one but anyway you'll sit, you'll sit. there's loads in the coming weeks and months. oh tim also suppose we may as well make an announcement oh yes we are now adding fridays to the tommy field as of september so the first one on sale friday the 15th of september Kiri Pritchard McLean. Uh, so yes, so we, we will. We are exclusively at the Tommy Field. We sold out every single Wandsworth show we did. We did. We did. I think we did forty plus, maybe even nearly fifty Wandsworth shows. Sold out all of them. I think maybe one of them we were like a couple shy, but we, we, you know we, we're all friends. We can round up. So it was. We loved our time in Wandsworth, and the people were great. And the, I mean Tim, the, the staff at the at Wandsworth were. Oh my god! Incredible, incredible. The nicest dudes. Uh, it, it, it was just one of those things. We just, it, you know. I guess ultimately, there's no place like home. If you if you're going to quote The Wizard of Oz, um, so yeah. We, it, I guess now the Tommy Field Kennington is the one-stop shop. So we're adding Fridays to the Tommy Field. First one out there, Friday 15th of September. Kiri Pritchard McLean, one of the absolute greats, and we'll we'll add more to that night, and indeed, we'll be adding more shows. Followers on the sh- on the socials or the socials, do whatever you like. Um, at Always Be Comedy, Twitter and Instagram, and Tim, God bless him, keeping the TikTok dream alive. I am
0: at James Giel Comedy across the socials, and Tim Lewis is. You are Tim. I am Tim Lewis underscore on Twitter. I am Tim Lewis Tim Lewis on Instagram. Now, before we go, what would your favourite memory of Sakisa be, Tim? Mind, I don't miscount, a memory. It's sort often ongoing thing. Uh, there's a lot of secret wrestling fans in comedy, oh, but I'd oh, say this such. This is the best answer we've done of the whole series. <laughs> Brilliant. But the loudest wrestling fan in comedy has to be Sakisa. I see her at various British independent shows. Uh, every time, because world wrestling there's always stuff going on. Constant gossip central. Every time I see her, something mad's just happened and we spend an hour talking about that before the gig even happens. It's brilliant. Can I just say that I'm not a
1: little bit jealous of their wrestling chat. I used to watch wrestling a lot when I was... Hang on, that's not a dig at Tim and Sakisa. Because <laughs> I sort of I, I sort of want to get back into it. So I used to watch it a lot. Who's my favourite wrestler? Great question. Macho man Randy Savage. Loved him. Love he was, that he was, makes a lot was, of sense for you. He was quite... He was, well, I was going to say he was quite eccentric and yeah, fair enough. Um, but that that his speech pattern and the character and all of that, I just I just found him fascinating. Anyway, Tim and Sakisa have these like in depth chinwags, and I'm like, it's like I'm at the I'm at the window outside. It's like snowing outside. I'm at the window, like oh, looks like you're having fun, guys, and Tim and Sakisa are inside, sat in front of a roaring fire, like swigging champagne, talking about AEW wrestling and all that. So my dream, and we've talked about this, was to have an ABC night out at AEW, uh, very much like the paternal figure taking out the, the kids, Tim and Sakisa. So the, the idea was an ABC work night out at AEW wrestling uh, and the best laid plans of uh, mice and men. Well, anyway, all, it all went to pot because they've announced a show, yay, at Wembley, yay. And it's during the Edinburgh Festival when Tim and Sakisa would very much be
0: uh, quite literally not at Wembley. So ne- Tim, next time? next time honestly when that announcement came out it was <laughs> horrid <laughs> i've waited was three bitter years sweet. For this. It, it wasn't even bittersweet it was just bitter wasn't it it was so sweet was so bitter
1: so bitter it was bitter bitter it was double bitter um so anyway that's the dream
0: that is what, the dream but what's your favorite memory of sakisa
1: my favorite memory of sakisa i think it was the very very first online show and we had that. Uh, oh, sorry, the online show—the very, very first time we had Sakisa on an online show—and you just, you just, I think Tim and I are a very good spotter of talent. I think. Thank you. And a friend of mine who's brilliant at football, and I'm not. He once said to me that he can tell with the very first touch if someone is a good footballer. Right? Really stayed with me that because I've got nice. a really bad. I've got a really bad first touch in football. <laughs> Got feet like uh, concrete wellies, and Sakisa's first touch, if you like, I had, that, I had that first touch moment, and her first touch, I was like, "Oh, she knows, she knows what she's doing," and that's you know that's why she was the first act at the at the first uh, in real life gig back at the Tommy Field. So that would be my uh, that's a lo- if you love comedy, it's a lovely moment when you see someone, and the little voice in your head goes, "Oh yes, sorry, but not in a creepy way." <laughs> <God>. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, as in, they're really good at comedy. Uh, I've made myself blush. Uh, anyway, look, we're very grateful. Please keep the correspondence coming uh, Coming in. Uh, we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com, uh, and we're really grateful. We've got lots more great episodes in the bag. Oh, yeah. Um, and so we, we will see you soon. Lots of love. Take care. God bless you all. And if you're an atheist, bless you all. Um, Tim, I'll see you tonight. <laughs> you'll see me tonight
0: that was
1: a bit chummy wasn't it <laughs> anyway thanks a lot guys it means a lot thank you